0: welcome this week's guest is an international brain change and behavioral expert specializing in leadership and brain optimization crikey i think i need this today she is an award-winning speaker author performer and humanitarian with a gift for teaching complex concepts using storytelling humor and memorable metaphors her candid style and loving nature are powerful. Additionally, she is a renowned neurofeedback and autism expert. Her international docu series, Fix It in Five with Lynette Louise, aka The Brain Broad, airs on the Autism Channel and is also available via Vim. Vim me, Vim me oh I got that wrong and also is on YouTube due to pandemic and isolation issues um, that we've all experienced over the last two years. She has written articles and guest posts for diverse publications such as futurehealth.org, Cars for Kids, an educational blog for parents, Tribal Woman magazine, Brainspeaking.com and opednews.com. If that wasn't enough, she's also been a featured guest on radio shows, ranging in tone from parenting to disability activists to health and wellness and to timely topic, call-in-drive-driven radio shows and every style in between. She's also, I'm just exhausted reading this, she has also done television appearances that have ranged from lifestyle inspirational segments to interview driven news stories and expert panels on Fox News, NBC, ABC, CBC, CBS, sorry, Bravo and many more. She is also, also, a single mum of eight now-grown children, six were adopted and four were on the autos, autism spectrum. Only one of her so, sons retains his label and remains dependent. Wow, 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 wow. I can't wait to introduce you all to Lynette Louise. Um, welcome, Lynette. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I appreciate it.
0: No, that's okay. Thanks, Thanks so much for coming on board and like, you know, giving us your time um, and coming to speak to us about brain changing and our behavior and things like that. So, so look, I've read out a massive, great big long intro for you because you've done so much um, and you're also like a single mom of eight kids as well so i'm not sure how you've packed it all in but it's awesome can you just tell my listeners and me just a little bit more around like about yourself and how you got into this this brain changing business
1: you know it's interesting what you how you just started that because i just had this conversation with my, my daughter where building a website so that I can have online courses and go ahead and retire out of everything and still leave a legacy of learning, right? And so yeah. um, there's two main people in this website, this girl that I've trained and taught and helped her family and myself. And, and so she had my daughter doing the her bio because uh, she loved the bio my daughter did about me. And so we're having this conversation and she's like, mom, the thing is that I'm doing your bio and I spend all this time going, well, how can I shrink it that small? She's like an encyclopedia (laughs) of activity and all these things, they have to know everything. And then I'm doing the other person's bio and I'm going, well, if I say it this way, it'll be more words. (laughs) Yes. It's very true. What you said is that I've packed a lot into oh my, my God. life. Uh, not all of it.
0: Good, by the way. You don't want to copy all of it. But um, they let you're a legend. You're a legend.
1: <laughs> I've I've done a lot. And I think that leads me to the answer to the question, which is, you know, I started I, a quick back. I when you do these podcasts, you tell your backstory so often. And I always feel like, oh gosh, I if it's someone who's listened to me before, they should just wait and you know, five minutes from yeah. now, be new five info. minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, you know, there's always something new to hear. And um basically my backstory is as a, as a child, I was a little different. Um, not big time different, just enough that I perceived somewhat differently than other people. And my parents were constantly fighting and my mother was physically and emotionally and verbally abusive so there was this uh traumatized kind of childhood wherein i was the person going okay so she yelled at me for that and then i felt this and then i acted like that and then like i literally cataloged behavior as a child. And that's not normal. (laughs) Usually, you know, like I have this memory where I'm hiding in the bathroom and the way that it was structured is I could put my back against the wall because there was this little spot where the door was before you got to the actual bathroom part. And I could put my back against the wall, my feet against the door and lock my knees. And she wouldn't be able to break it down and get me. And so she's banging at this door, trying to get me swearing and yelling and understand she's the most, you know, respected teacher and a whole different person out in the world wow. than at home okay so she's and she's big and she's at this door, and i'm sitting there i'm used to it i have my little journal hidden in in under the sink and i've got it in my hand and i'm going okay how did this start what can i do about it and i'm terrified. But i'm also trying very hard to remember the feeling i'm going remember how this feels remember how this feels remember how this feels i remember echoing that over and over again in my head
0: as in trying to write it down sorry so as in how you were feeling right right because i had a i don't know if it was you know
1: i don't know what your belief systems are you know I was raised a Christian, but I had these feelings of having lived before I had, I had all this stuff going on inside my head. And I knew that you forget that I would grow up. But if I didn't make a point of understanding it now, I may not understand it later.
0: Wow. And how
1: old? And while all this, how old were you then? Oh, maybe seven.
0: Wow. Young. Yeah.
1: Young. And And I remember thinking, I'm going to save children. Wow. And I in the bathroom, another a different time, because I'm in a different spot in this memory in the bathroom. She's not banging on the door. But I was thinking, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to save children. I'm going to save them from this. And that is really when it all began. So when people ask me, it's hard. To really answer unless I go all the way back to that time, because everything was set up at that moment, I knew I was going to do something to save children, I knew it would be either some kind of missionary work or work in the whole, you know, traveling the world, or I didn't know what it would look like. Um, And then I was a child, so I saw things like the Singing Nun movie and Mary Poppins, and I was inspired that way. And so I wanted to be an an entertainer who gave people the kind of emotions that they couldn't resist learning while they were having these emotions. And I put all that together as I grew up and ended up with my life. So that's really... (laughs) I know you want the other answer and
0: I'll give it to you, but that's really how it started. No, that's perfect. That's Look, that's perfect. If You know, if that's your first recollection of like, this was how I, you know, started that first step on the journey as such to, you know, helping people change their behavior, change their brains, change to move forward with where they're going. Yeah, I mean... Really for me, it was, um,
1: it was always the focus. It was how to be happy, how to be effective and be kind, where to put boundaries, when to, you know, how to police yourself so you don't become the abuser if you're from an abusive life, all of that. Yeah. And so then, and I made a lot of mistakes and I made a lot of mess, and at one point, even ended up in a woman's shelter with six kids. But, wow. but it really began with my intention and my goal. Began then, and then the learning that was required in order to meet that demand and and accomplish that, that was going to be a lifelong journey. Um,
0: yeah. Well, this is what I was going to ask you. Did you go to college and start like so studying psychology and all of that stuff, or like, how did you like? Was it through, um, was it through your experiences? And your life has been, you know, varied—a roller coaster ride. And um, then did you start to learn through therapy and stuff like that? How did how did you get to become well, one become so knowledgeable because you are an expert in this you know, how did you then come to be a speaker and an author, performer, you know, like all of the things, like you've done so much. A director, right? producer, exactly. And therapist. Exactly. And- right. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. like you, you've just done so much. You've been Stand on TV. Stand-up comedian, actually. <laughs> well, sorry. there we go. But that's it. You've written loads. You've been on radio loads. You've been on TV loads, you know. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So that was the you decision know, you made as a child, right? I'm going to help right. other kids. You don't know how. Right. You don't know, right. you know, what it was going to be like, but you were going to help other kids. And then how did you get to today and what you do
1: today? You know, I think – and that – so the reason to mention the childhood really is because one of the things I've observed over all these years – I mean, I'm a senior citizen at
0: this point, so – God love you, Lynn. God love you, Lynette. <laughs> Thank it's, you. You know, I'm soon going to yeah, be there. so
1: – <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, you know, that's one of the things I've observed is that we really do kind of set ourselves up at the very beginning. We, you know, I remember my one of my children thought I just want to have dirty kids having fun playing in in the uh, in nature. And that's what she ended up with dirty bunch of dirty boys playing in the woods. So it's funny how we we really do when we're young kind of yeah. decide what we're going to be. And then life gives us opportunities and we grab those rings. Right. So I quit school in high school. Um, I never got beyond grade nine. I went to wow. grade 10, but I never completed it. Yeah. And in Canada at that time, if you I don't know if this is still the case, but if you were so independent, you know, and and supporting yourself for two years, uh, you could go into college as a mature student. Wow. Okay. So it was funny because I was in college before my classmates because I quit so young Yeah. That, <laughs> that I didn't have to do high school. I could go straight to college. And that was a better fit for me mm. because I'm very... Independent, I, I want very much for it to be logical. Don't just boss me around. I'll sit, I'll do civil div- disobedience at the drop of a hat if it doesn't seem fair or right or yeah, correct. Yeah. You know, I, I'm the same. I caused sit ins and all kinds of stuff when I was in school. So, oh, you, I, I wouldn't um, have done
0: that. I wouldn't have done that. But I have to agree with you like, school for me, like I did well at school, but getting towards the end of school, I was like, what does this all mean? Why, like, why, what's the point of this? I want to get out in the world right. and start to learn proper real things, not like what I'm being taught in the classroom about history or right. geography right. or whatever. So, yeah.
1: So I actually got a com- went to computers. At the time, they were mainframes and key punches and stuff, things that nobody could even imagine today. And you flowcharted your the whole thing out on a piece of paper and then fed it into the computer. So I'm pretty old. But um, – that, uh, that amazed me because I suck at math and, and yet I'm really good at logic. And so I was shocked to discover that I had gone from being a sort of a failed barely passing student to a 97.8 kind of um, honors grad. So it was it was amazing to be from one extreme to the other, but being treated like an adult, being taught. I, I really responded to that. And this logic sort of grabbed me because it matched behavior. So I'm very interested in behavior. And I didn't have an operating system to understand behavior with until I took computers. Kind of a backwards way to get there. But there it's very binary code. It's Yes or no, on or off, uh, right or wrong. It, yeah. it's very, And yet it gets very complex mm-hmm. as you overlay things. And the understanding that you could take this very basic two signal possibility and create such complex behavior in a machine helped me to mm-hmm. see how human beings could be little babies who only know I'm hungry. I need my diaper changed and become so complex by the time they're adults that they've lost sight of sort of their operating system and how it all began. And that was that was really good for me. I after that, I started adopting kids. I already had two kids, but I couldn't have any more children. Like I'd had three. My son died and oh, I just When I looked into adoption, it was a long waiting list and it was difficult to do. And you couldn't really do it if you weren't married and all these things. But then if they were special needs, nobody wanted them. And then all of a sudden my heart is like, oh, wow, these kids aren't going to get homes. And um, I started thinking maybe I should get one of these kids. And then there's a story that goes with this that sort of will end up taking hours to get to the rest of this answer. So I'm gonna skip it. But um, essentially they put a child in my home that nobody wanted and was supposed to be institutionalized but the bed wasn't ready yet. And then I wouldn't let him go. But he still lives with me. And, um, And that just started. A whole ball rolling where they went. Oh, this lady's good with special needs people. She's committed to them. Let's put more in her home if if she'll take them. Um,
0: and so- yeah, and but but like you had you already had two children, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what was the turning point where you went? I want more.
1: Well, I always Maybe wanted more. more. So when I was a kid in the bathroom, oh. I was sitting there going, OK, how many how many kids do I want? Six, I guess. Uh, no, no, no. I I think I want it's this. I think of this a lot because this is exactly how it went. Just everything went the way I planned, except different. So I thought I want six. No, I want eight. No, I think I need 12. Now, they hit my history. Oh, my is God. I had. Two biological, three children, one died. So I had two biological children and I adopted four boys that were multiply handicapped. So I had six, but then two runaways, I, many runaways came into my home, but I would, wow. you know, put them back in with their families or find places for them. But I kept two of them. So I went from six to eight and then my daughter had a problem and I ended up co-parenting with her. And so they, she had four boys and that made
0: 12. Wow. 12. Well, wow. it, it does make, yeah, it, it makes me, weird. although you, it, you made me laugh because you said, oh, well I got there, like, like you were saying, like, I got there in the end, like I'd said six and I said eight and then I was like, no, 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 maybe 12 and not the way you thought you would get it, but that's okay. Right? that's how the world does it isn't it well even the world
1: does it yeah even the being a, a missionary which is the word i would have used back then if you asked me what do you want to be when you grow up i would have said an actress and a missionary and everyone laughed at me um the that missionary component has taken a different form than i would have ever thought i wasn't thinking about special needs people and you know i didn't know i was going to travel the world working all over the world i didn't you know but but that sounds like missionary to me so I it looks different than of course I thought at seven or eight but it really is the life that I sort of set in motion way back then and you know once you're adopting these very these multiply handicapped kids back in the early 80s nobody knew very much about
0: things no you haven't got a youtube channel or or google right exactly anything like that
1: right so you're constantly trying to figure it out and, you know, doctors and teachers and stuff are cruel and or not caring or you just as a parent, when you're super committed, this is true always, but it's re. it was really, really true back then. There was a lot of misunderstanding about, you know, what would be a good idea for the children. And um, I was very committed to seeing them get independent if it was possible, which of course I was told it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and only one is still dependent and all the rest have been lead very successful lives so I was right <laughs> but
0: <laughs> well but exactly was, and yeah. You know, yeah I think that that really uh, sort of resigns who you are as a person to be told now you, you're going to have all of these people um, you're going to have you're going to have all of these children you, they're all going to be dependent on you they're not going to live independent lives and you went yeah at I don't think so this is how we're going to do it
1: right and and that sounds very uh you know obvious and clean and clear but of course it it wasn't as I lived it I was just as foolish as everyone else made a lot of mistakes I was always 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 good with kids always a good mom but I was a lousy woman I kept thinking you know that maybe they're right i should be married you can't raise a child if you're not married and i'd get married and they they'd want to be a hero and they'd last two weeks and go actually this is a lot of work i think i'll leave and, and i was like yeah i was like why did i believe you'd be useful right and, <laughs> and i did oh, that over and over i got married 5 times two i never even wow. lived with Like, I just kept thinking, I'm wrong. I must be wrong. People keep telling me you can't do this. But then I'd try it everyone else's way, and it would be awful. And so I just kept learning.
0: Plowed on as a single parent, basically. Right. Of six stroke eight stroke 12 kids. Right. And so i'm assuming cool. you haven't got 12 children living with you at the moment
1: no no everybody everybody except my, for my son dar um the one that was going to be institutionalized he's probably a lifer with me right but he's really yeah. a lovely person i travel with him everywhere he comes to work with me all kinds of things he's just got a lot of challenges that um, yeah. just mean that he's going to be my buddy but I am yeah. now going to – I have just agreed to co-parent three of my great-grandkids. So here – or not co-parent, parent three of my great-grandkids. So here
0: we go again. Yes. <laughs> right. so how, Okay. So, like, I have to say, like, with your children and the challenges they have, like, it would be hard enough to actually parent them to, as part of a couple, or you would think, right? But, like, you found it easier to, like, be a single mum. And parent them. I mean, how did you cope? You know, here's the thing. Um, my my youngest, his name is
1: Rye. He had, well, all three of the four boys had fetal alcohol syndrome, retardation, wow. autism, and a variety of other things, depending on which child we're talking about. Yeah. Um And Dar had much worse, you you know, and they were all abused. Uh, Dar was locked up in a closet for a couple of years. Uh, Ah. I mean, there's big story here, right? And so when you're looking at your children and just loving them and going, what's the next thing to do? What's the next thing for them to learn? What's the important fundamental stuff? Um, It was probably good that I was slightly overwhelmed and had so many kids because I had An attention problem, and the busier I was, the better I was. Right. But also, I was the parent, the mother, and I wasn't looking at it going, you know, do they have to graduate school? Do they have to this? Do they have to that? I'd already had an eclectic life that showed me that the rules of the road are wrong. You can actually do things and get things done without it being. Um, according to script. So I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, okay, this boy right now, he's having trouble talking. So the next thing is getting him talking or, or they need to learn how to do laundry because if they can't do laundry, then they're going to be fall victim to when they're older to getting bad girlfriends just because she can do the laundry. Or like I thought about them as human beings. Not um, the way that the therapists talk about them. Lots of times they'll come, they would come to my house and say things like, okay, but what are you going to do when, when, you know, you're a senior citizen? And I said, well, I'm only 35. Why are you asking me that? Wow. Why are you looking forward to that time and creating problems today? Let's stick with today. So I did a lot of logical, intelligent things with my kids. And in a relationship, you have this pull where, you know, you want to be with your spouse, whether it's a man or a woman or whatever. You want to give them that romantic time and they want that time and that focus. So you have that pull. They want to have their opinions, and you want to have yours, and yeah. and you have that pull. They have their upbringing, and you have your upbringing, and the beliefs that come with that, and you have that pull. So there wasn't anything left for me to give that kind of training to a spouse, and I would try because I thought I should. It should be easier with a spouse. And they would try because they thought they should be my hero. And I was pretty hot at the time. So there's that. (laughs) But, you know, that at the end of the day, I really it was not possible to do the job of teaching someone else how to see the children the way I saw them. How to love them the way I loved them. How to believe in them the way I believed in them. So it was much easier, much, much, much easier to be a single parent, regardless of the fact that I had to, you know, sing in a bar late at night because the kids were asleep and it was the only time I could get any money, you know, make a living, Uh, paint houses for Christmas money, Uh, like everything you can do, things that are legal, and eh, maybe some shady stuff here and there. Whatever would pay the bills just to make sure that they got what they needed, um, that they had my time, that they had my focus, and um, that they were learning how to grow up. You know, I, I did everything with them. I took welding class with my son. I did newspaper routes with my children. I did, I just, and there was just, if I'd have had a spouse, it would have just been arguing. And, t- and I, there wasn't enough left in me. That's the point. There wasn't enough left. Yeah. There, there wasn't yeah. any space for
0: that. Oh, I get you. I get you completely. Because it's like, um, it's it's almost like dealing with another child. And, I you know, I, I know there are some awesome, awesome blokes out there um, who are great. But it's, you've got your hands full with eight kids, you know. Well, it's um, not just blokes.
1: It's not just blokes. It's women too. I mean, the point uh, is, um people- It's relationship
0: stuff, isn't it?
1: Right, it's the requirement to give them your time and focus. If you don't have any left, then you're ch- shortchanging them and they'll start pulling for it, and yeah. then you're shortchanging your children. So somebody's losing. And my kids, they just needed so much, I couldn't afford to let them down, yeah. And um, so as a woman, of course, I you know, I, I wanted romance and I wanted all that stuff, and I and I often went out with people and I, you know, all that stuff. But in the end, it was always the kids were the primary. And as they, you know, as I fought the school systems and I did all the things differently, my kids started to gain ground that they weren't supposed to gain. And that's when other people started to notice and other parents started to want my help. And I sat on some school boards. I started talking to my
0: um, so before before you before you took on your first child, right? Did you know anything anything about autism, anything about special needs, and what you were actually getting yourself involved in?
1: Well, I saw an Elvis Presley movie, and there was an autistic wow. girl in it, and that's that. Literally, when I do my one woman show, I tell the story because that was my idea of what autism was was this Elvis Presley movie. Which one was that? Um, he's a doctor, Mary Tyler Moore is a nun, there's this girl who apparently has been abandoned by, by her family, so now she's autistic and can't talk, and they give her holding therapy and she becomes normal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow. Uh, that, so that's what I thought it would be like. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Good old Elvis. It's quite ironic because there's a there's a exhibition in uh, in Victoria um, near where I live. They're actually well, they're ex- ex- exhibiting. I'll get that get it out. They're exhibiting um, like his clothes, stuff from the movies, all of those bits and pieces. And um, yeah, so it's it's interesting. I've been and seen it. It's awesome. But wow, I can't believe you went to a movie and went. Okay, this is yeah, this is good. No, I would already
1: seen that as God a. Love I saw that as a child. And so when they said, you know, that he probably had autism, but they weren't sure. They thought he might be a feral child. They didn't know. He had a lot of yeah. um, undeveloped brain. His father was, re- was retarded. This is not a nice word nowadays, but it is the term uh, at the time. It just means you don't have a high IQ. Um, yeah. So his father had a low IQ. His mother was uh thought of thought to be schizophrenic and alcoholic and so i mean he didn't have a good gene wow. pool to start with right and his yeah. abuse and you know it, they didn't really know what he was um they just had some suspicions and it it was like that with all the kids you weren't really sure what you were getting into um i would have done it anyways it doesn't matter but it's yeah. definitely more work. I remember one time I was just overwhelmed and crying and somebody said to me, you know, well you adopted them and I said that does not <laughs> that does not diminish the difficulty. <laughs> <Right>? Well, no. <laughs> Like what do you think? You think so because I adopted them? It's suddenly easier, or what?
0: Oh my God, no! Yeah, yeah, yeah! No, 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 no! It doesn't. And the thing, and that's the thing. It's like when you, like, I sit there and I go, oh my! And like, I didn't have, I haven't got eight children like you, but I've only got one son who, as far as I'm aware, doesn't have autism or is on any spectrum. Um. But there are times where he pushes my buttons and I go, oh, my God, I just wish I could push him back in. Um, you know, and people turn around and go, well, you had him. And I'm like, I know. And I would never, never change that. He is the awesome kid. He is unbelievable. But there are times where you just go, "Jeez, somebody please help me. Come down from wherever you are and help me because this is just overwhelming. But, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I've just found the movie that you're talking about, Change of Habit. Yeah. The movie 1969. If anyone's yeah. listening and wants to go and watch it and see yeah. what goes on, yeah, I was Presley, Mary Tyler Moore, Barbara McNair, and Jane Elliott. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Wow. but it's not
1: a true. It's not a true representation representation of no. autism. Please don't take it that way. Back then, they did believe that autism was caused by. They called it refrigerator mothers and. Um, and oh. that made it hard when I adopted because, of course, that's what I was reading when I started reading,
0: that the children had what's, been. What's a refrigerator, mama, mother?
1: An unloving, un- non-hugging. Oh, cold. Know, right. And, and um. that that made the children go inside themselves and, and all this stuff. But really it's a brain disorder, right? So yeah um there were so many so many 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 mothers really harmed by this because they were trying so hard to be then the right kind of mom and it was all their fault and it was just really awful and in our case it made me feel like well if I love them big enough I can undo the damage that's been done like in the Elvis Presley movie so
0: yeah Yeah. Um,
1: But it's not the case, by the way. But you can teach a person into enough skills that they no longer fit the criteria for a developmental disorder that is decided based on um, behavioral diagnostic criteria. So, yeah, that's a mouthful. If you followed what I'm saying is you can come off the spectrum of autism as insofar as you can no longer be diagnosable.
0: Um, So basically what you're saying is that you teach tools and and tips that allow the children to cope with the things that are happening to them in their lives so that they then when they were to do a diagnosis um, questionnaire, for want of a better word, or diagnosis interview, that they wouldn't actually be diagnosed as severe as they would have been. If they hadn't have got these tips and tools, is that what you're saying?
1: Exactly. The only thing is I would cool. take the word "cope" out of what you said. I don't oh, okay. I don't teach people to cope. I don't teach people to control themselves. I teach people to no longer to no longer have the desire. <laughs> So they don't okay. have to control themselves from say a meltdown or something. I I teach them to um, understand and be better at something so there isn't the problem to cope with. Um, an so example
0: this, Sorry, carry on. Yeah, no, you no no no. I was just saying, is that the brain changing a brain optimization element that you um that you, okay. you, now you're an there. expert in? Yeah,
1: so now <laughs> we're there, right? <laughs> So we got
0: I, there, Lynette. We got yes, there. Yes, I
1: knew we would. That's why I asked you before we before we started recording. I said, how much time do we have? Because then I can tell this in a more personal right. way. You right?
0: guide me. Guide me. I'm all good. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes, that is. as As I'd already discovered while I was raising my kids, I came across my own deficits, my own challenges, and I had to help my yeah. kids, so I had to help myself. Right. I had to learn how to, um, well, see, uh, I had to learn how to see, for example, I was, uh, I had a lot of facial recognition issues. I had a lot of pixelated vision. So I knew people by their energy more than their actual appearance. Um, I uh, didn't know if somebody was a different race or color i i wasn't it isn't because i'm a better person uh, or anything it doesn't mean you're better it means i had a problem
0: right yeah
1: and and yeah. so i had to fix me too and there was a real blessing in that that could be a deficit for in another circumstance so if you go to a doctor who's still broken you don't want to go to them yeah you have, want to wait till they've helped themselves enough that they can be the leader down the path of cure or of correction or a proper brain change, whatever. But they were my children and I wasn't better yet. I was still broken, but mm. I was so motivated because my love was so deep that that driver kept me always a few steps ahead of them. And what that means is I was much more aware of real life needs than the schools or the educational systems or the doctors. I was very aware of, Mm. you know, okay, you're asking my child to do that and that's not going to be relevant when they're 18. So I'm going to just skip over that, right? I'm not going to waste time on that. And I'm going to go straight from you're trying to get them to stand in line in this boring way in, in school. I'm going to go straight to helping them to queue up at Disney or, you know, so that they're getting something they want and they have to be patient even though it's hot and they have to. Right? And so I was always aware that we were trying to teach with these challenges i was trying to teach the children how to grow into adults that could handle the world they would live in and that isn't actually even today a common way to approach it and it should be so in that I, I process i be- right and so in that process i've had to change my own brain so i had to believe in brain change i had to find it myself it didn't exist now it's everywhere people say brain change but they didn't even really talk, talk or understand neuroplasticity back then. So I'd read books, every kind of book, and I'd I'd always be looking for answers that would help us to be better at living in the world that we found ourselves in. Whether it was a, a therapy book or, uh, you know, I solved one of my kids' problems with magnesium because I read an old a medical journal i just was constantly looking
0: yeah reading and, reading and looking
1: and, and, and i have to and, say and to discovering you, right? and discovering that you do change
0: that yeah and and do you know what i i want to like go back onto a point that i think you were actually teaching your children to um deal with the world that is there basically the world that they've got to leave school and go into, and and it doesn't get taught in schools, even with, uh, you know, e- even with kids that aren't on the spectrum, right? It's like schools oh, no. have like got I mean, the blinkers on, and they okay? basically say, right, this is what you need to learn, and I go, no, 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 but that's that's okay. Like, yeah, you need to learn math and English and all of that stuff. That's fine, right? Um, I understand that to communicate and add things up and make sure you're not, you know, you. are earning money and all the other various different things that maths goes with. But then all the other stuff that sits on the peripheral, I go, they're all okay. But we aren't teaching our kids to survive in a work environment, in a normal communicating environment. And normal's not the right word. But, you know, where they're not sitting on screens all the time, they're actually talking to people. They're picking up on empathy. They're actually dealing with the normal tasks that we do every day, which is cook dinner, in mean, put the washing on, cut the grass, do all the I mean, admittedly, as a parent, I sit there and go, Well, you know, that's my job to teach as well. But I also go, Hey schools, what about teaching the kids to have a bit more of a business and saving and all of the stuff that as an adult, that's what we have to do on a day to day basis. But schools don't seem to be doing that. I don't know. Maybe no, they are they don't. But-
1: and the assumption that someone can sit in a desk and learn algorithms oh. and then generalize that as an adult into being good at running a business or their bank account that yep. um, is ridiculous. So I hear what we should be doing is teaching not math as math, but math as money skills, math as construction yep. skills, math as recipe skills, math as... So when you're measuring, you're not... You're not measuring just in this imaginary problem-solving thing. You're actually doing it. And then real life and academics, they come together. Now, and for a lot of neurotypical kids, they can make their way. But if your special need has a has a challenge built into it in generalizing and in social responding, you're not yeah. going to generalize over to that. So you have to teach it that way it's experiential has to be taught in the experience and that's something i just understood with the kids mainly because i was like that as well so um so yeah so i started with my kids um and then i'm trying to help myself and i'm learning and stuff and taking taking all kinds of things, learning different behavioral approaches, you know, finding some of them cruel, but taking some points from some of them and eventually going to college. And then, you know, it just one thing led on another, but I can honestly say um, with all my schooling, I'm a doctor now. So with all my schooling, yeah, all the really good stuff, 97% of all the really good stuff either came from real life, Or from um, these courses you take, these, you know, things that won't give you letters after your name. You might get a certification or you might get, but you went to them because that was your need. So when I got play therapy certified, when I got mentor counselor certified, when I got certified in neurotherapy, when I learned how to do neurofeedback on people, when I Those things have changed my life and my children's lives and the lives of countless thousands of people that I've worked with. And it's not because of college, even though I still owe a hundred and something thousand dollars to college. Wow. So what was college for? Really, honestly, that computer college that I, my very first college experience, that was really useful because it taught me that I was smart and that I had good logic math logic skills. Um, It gave me a concept to work off of, but all the rest was really just so other people would listen to me when I talk and I could put letters after my name. It wasn't where the good stuff came from. And I had to not learn a lot of it. I had to go, okay, try not to remember this. Just uh, pass the test and move on.
0: Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but But it's such a shame. It's such a shame that to give yourself credibility, Instead of life experience and doing the things that you need to do at the times you need them to deal with um, the gaps in your knowledge or whatever um, that were needed or, you know, the requirements that your children had, you had to put yourself in debt, give yourself some letters at the end of your name to – it would seem from what you're saying to give yourself the credibility to say that you were a credible person and that you – what you were saying was – Um, had some logic and some thought behind it, when actually you are a very logical, thoughtful person. And the stuff that you were thinking about in the 80s regarding the kids was way out there from Mm -hmm. what was actually being taught to people. Right, right. Now, in all
1: fairness, we're trying to create a system to educate children, and it's hard to come up with a solution to this problem. I'm not you know, I don't want to just trash it all because a lot of really wonderful people are trying to figure it out and find a way to educate and help. And and a lot of children are saved by schooling. But in so far as the actual stuff that I was learning in college, most of it was counterproductive. And I only knew that because I was already in my 50s. So I'm like, I've already done this life. I've already i already helped countless people all over the world. I've already created programs around it and video and like I've just it's it's bigger for me than it is for the other person, where I can go, no, no, what you're teaching me here is incorrect. And if the if if you won't listen to that, well, fine, I'll just pass and then I'll I'll ignore it. But I kept thinking, if I was 20 and I was in this class on psychomeds, meds, psych meds, for example, I, psych that's kind of a Freudian <laughs> slip. Um, you know, I I would just believe you. I would just think you're right. Well, yeah. If I Right? And how would I know any different? I would think, oh, good, I'm getting the information. Sort of like when we watch the news, we feel like what we uh-huh. watch is now informing us, but you don't really know. And unless you're living it, like, for example, I travel all over the world and and I'll hear some news in, say, America, for example, and and then I'll go to, say, India. And I'll be in India and I'll see what they're talking about. And it's not at all what they said, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, So very much so.
1: Yeah, and that's a factor in your education as well when you're learning. And it's very scary when it's medicine, is they're really actually perpetuating the problem a lot of the times, and then other times they're saving your life. So it's very confusing as a student in the medical world, because you're going, wait a minute, but over here, it's life-saving, literally on the edge of death, pulled back from the cliff, saved your life in moments So therefore, they must know what they're doing in all these other arenas. But my experience is that we're really good at surgery and we're really good at emergency medicine. And we're not very good at um, doing what's right to help someone become the best that they can be, the healthiest they can be, the most uh, successful they can be, whether it's their body, their brain, their you know, their business, whatever. We're not very good at that.
0: Yeah. Surgery and that emergency stuff tends to get their high fives because they're saving lives. And and like I have to, you know, I have to put out that I I work for a health authority and my day job is working for a health authority. And I cannot speak uh, higher, any more higher of people in that, um, you know, in the medical um, profession. I think what they do is unbelievable. I think you're right in the fact that um, I think more needs to be done in, in the mental health and in all of the other areas of um, the autism and, and education and you know those sort of things. I think we need to get rid of ego maybe in, in our world.
1: Well, we're starting from a broke, yeah, we're just starting from a broken foundation. So we're trying to bandage one thing on top of another, one bandaid on top of another, because we don't wanna tear it all apart and start again. We had a real opportunity in the pandemic to go, wait a minute, we're forced to look at this differently. Let's really look at it differently. And a little bit of that happened, but mostly we just kept recreating what we did before, but online. And so it's, it's, a, it's a disappointment to me that everyone didn't go, okay, so since we have to do it this way, why don't we start um, having the classes be for the parents? You know, we're asking the parents right now to do this, and they don't really know how to educate the kids. And so, let's take advantage. Let's let's help parents know how to do it, and teach to the people who are raising the kids. We'd have made a bigger difference. So that's one example, but there there's many examples. You can't. Um, all right, I'll give you one okay. with autism, so that this is clear, and we're not just talking in generalities, and and that's hard for
0: people to yeah, learn from. Yeah, go for a minute.
1: So, uh, okay. Let's talk about language, uh, in, in autism, you often have these sort of outbursts of strange word, solid sounds. And you have echolalia, which is an echoing back of said. And so, um, I'll use a real person. I'll use my son, then I don't have to worry about word names. So my son Rye, he was very classically autistic. First, he couldn't talk, and you know then he, then when he did talk, he was echolalic and very monotone. He was very classic in his sort of his arc of learning. So he's at this point where I've already given up on school. I've taken him out of school. He's 12 years old, and I want him to read. And I know that he's learned to read a few words here and there, but he doesn't read as in, you know, read a story and comprehend it and all that. Um, so I sit down on a picnic bench with him in the middle of the woods, cause I've rented a cabin and letting the boys sort of run free. And I said, okay, Rye, We're going to, we're going to talk and we're going to, I'm sorry, we're going to read. And I get out, open this book. And now I can't show this to you cause we're a radio. Yeah. So, um, he he had some some stims that went like this. Wasim! Roger rabbit, roger rabbit, roger rabbit, wasim! okay. So that was like a verbal yeah. outburst. Okay. And when he would do that, his whole body would get tight and, and he'd like look like he was singing to the sky. So I'm sitting beside him and I go, okay, what's this word? And he goes, the man. Wasim! went to and it was went like this now in the prevailing way of teaching you would keep the focus on these outbursts and you would then be so focused on trying to prevent these outbursts that you would prevent yourself from helping him learn to read
0: right i get you
1: Okay, so those outbursts were literally non-time in his mind. In other words, for him, he read the sentence. I had to wait for the outburst to pass, but he just, in his memory, doesn't even remember the outburst. So if I put my focus constantly on trying to stop the outburst, I'm now approaching this backwards. But this is still done this way. They they try to prevent the child from stimming. It's, it's called stimming. Um, and they try to prevent that so that they can get to the point where they can teach them. And I'm going, well, just teach them. Right. And then as you teach them, there is a point where you say, oh, you know, this would go quicker if you didn't make that sound or i might do a video and say see how that's getting in the way of people understanding or whatever i would do all of that i would i wouldn't ignore it forever but in this in this point in time where i'm trying to help him to put a whole sentence together and and put it in into his own head i don't want to sit there and fight with him about this noise making
0: it's like choosing your battles isn't it it, because if you're focusing on the the STEM is it?
1: Sorry. It it means you're saying stimming because it's self-stimulatory behavior. So it might be flapping, finger plays, sounds. But if you're
0: concentrating and controlling on that, like you said, you're not teaching. And so, and so did he, did he then stop to STEM then over a period of time? Well, you know,
1: eventually he, you know, he's, did that. He, those things, they just go away. And a new one is going over, you know, for a while it was the number five, then it was square flat cars. He had problems with the color orange. I mean, there were different things that come and go as his brain changed and developed. Now I would say now he just turned 37 and I just wrote something about finally he's happy with everything. He's happy with his job. He's lived on his own for 15 years, but, you know he's a labor hand kind of guy but he's always wanted to be a driver so he was a driver for AutoZone at one point but then he lost that job and you know he he's come and gone and this he's never been super happy at a job and finally super happy at his job he's just delivering pizzas he's loving it he's learning how to make shampoo and uh from a, the local barbershop guy and he's mowing lawns and he pays all his bills this way he drives a car he has an apartment he handles his life he has friends who invite bite him over cool. for you know thanksgiving and things like that and and he's a cool guy he's he's a really cool guy and he doesn't really stim but he you know if he's super stressed he'll stutter he did end up having ticks. um and stuttering for a while. So that we had to get over to. So he's been, you know, it's been a long, it's been a long journey, but he's been able to be independent for many, 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 many years. Which is awesome. Because we didn't focus on the wrong thing.
0: Yeah. So, 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 I mean, wow, that's, that's just awesome. So I know you've got this series that you've got online, which is called Fix It In Five. Is that sort of what that mm-hmm. covers off? Is like how to so, deal with these okay, situations because so there's, a- there's so much that you've got. I mean, you know, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, and plus yeah. a bit more. <laughs> so, um, in my <laughs> in my journey, uh, there the one thing I really couldn't fully help my kids with was this low grade anxiety. Oh, really? And focus. Focus issues, and then I came across neuro neurofeedback. And already, I was already doing play therapy with all kinds of kids. I already had two of my multiply handicapped kids were independent, and two of my single handicapped, (laughs) single diagnosed kids were independent and successful in their lives like real independence like a helicopter mechanic and a welder and a you know like real real jobs um uh an editor wow. and a, a media personality so it, they my children did really really well really well and but this this low grade anxiety and this one of the boys is still having sleep tears and sleepwalking even though he was um, already in the army. So it was a real problem. And I found neurofeedback and uh, that made it possible to do the rest of the job. And I love it. And it really comes from uh, my understanding of neurofeedback and my special skill with it comes from that early training with computers. Because Neurofeedback is a way of teaching the brain, but the brain wave behavior. So you're teaching the behavior of the brain before it becomes into a, a personal de- behavior. For example, the the brain waves are maladaptively firing, and so it ends up as a tick. Well, if you can get the brain not to do that, then you don't have the tick. Yeah. That that would be yeah. an example. So it... It's amazing. It was phenomenal for me. I went from, you know, constantly struggling to focus to, oh, look at that. I'm awake. You mean people feel like this? (laughs) All right. Wow. Yeah, it was. I couldn't get over it. I kept thinking, did other kids in school actually walk around with a brain like this? Oh, really? How cool for them. Yeah, it was amazing. And all all my kids were highly benefited some more than others but all benefited and um, that's when I went okay now I have the the cocktail and I started bringing that with me into the homes that I was working already in and that's when it really 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 became a special um a special approach to brain change
0: but like the neurofeedback that you that you're an expert in um Anyone can use that, can't they? It's not just something that you would use for autism, though.
1: Oh, no, anyone can use it. It's brain optimization. It's about changing your brain and applying it to, you know, a brain is a brain is a brain. I, I use it on people with Alzheimer's, with Parkinson's, with schizophrenia, with autism, with a ADHD, with a desire to be better at math, with, uh, you know, want to be a, a better at singing. I mean, you can use it, that's the beauty of neurofeedback, because it's about looking at what the person wants, and then uh, looking to see where the problem is, or how you can improve them. And you can take everyone to peak performance, if, you know, their peak performance is going to be different than someone else's, but the idea is to get uh, you working optimally. Yeah, wow. Wow,
0: and so like yeah. so you you've got a website which sort of uh, like goes through all of this, haven't you? It's uh, com. like there's so much information on your website.
1: Yeah, that's my personal website and that really gives you a sense of my eclectic nature. One woman shows all that yeah. stuff as well as well as this. but my other website is brainbody.net. For people who are more interested in just sort of getting a, a simpler take on this, more about the neurofeedback and the play and autism and ADHD and that, yeah. of that
0: sort of thing. Okay. Okay, cool. I'll put that in the keynotes and, um, you know, go from there. Because, yeah, no, definitely. It's definitely something I'm interested in. Just brain optimization for everyone, well, really.
1: To, to, right. Right. But understand that it's, um, you know, there's many kinds of Mm neurofeedback and there's many kinds of therapists and you have many different approaches here. So like, like all things, some is better than others. Some is clinical. Some is you can buy it really cheap. Some is they don't know what they're doing, but they need to pay the rent. So they're charging you anyway. Um, A lot of the, a lot of the people are, you know, 50% of the people out there were in the bottom 50% of their class. Um, you have to always, no matter what profession it is, it's only as good as the people that are using it and the people that are following the instructions of the therapist. So I can I can help you, but if you then decide, for example, I take people off Various drugs all the time, but if you don't actually want to get better, your parents just made you come and do this as a part of your rehab. If you actually just want to sort of clean up so you'll live longer while you go back to the meth lab, (laughs) yeah, um, you know what? Your goal has to be the same as mine, and that's why I always get from my client what they want so that i can try to help them get that it's not about what i think they need to be and then if what they want is to be a serial killer i'm going to tell them that i'm the wrong therapist for them because i'm not going to go there (laughs) so right you know what i'm saying it's like you have to um have your own ethics and choose your clients correctly and um and try to get people who actually want to do the job
0: yeah it definitely takes work oh yeah. I, and this is the thing. You can't change your brain unless you want to change your brain. You can't like you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Well, you, well, you can't. No, no. You.
1: No, yeah. Okay. No, wait, wait. Let's re-say that. You can't help but oh, change okay. your brain. You can't stop your brain from changing. You change your child's brain every minute that you spent with them, every second, every look you give them. You change your own brain with every thought you have, with every, you either reinforce a problem or you, you know, improve about it. So you are constantly affecting your own brain, either to make it grow better or worse, but you are changing it at every turn. So change it with intention. Yeah,
0: okay, I get you.
1: And make sure yeah. that... The,
0: Right. Yeah. No. I get you. I get you. Like, yeah, that's fair enough. If you're continuing to play a negative tape in your head as such, then you're just reinforcing what your internal conversation is is to yourself as such. Um, Yeah. No. Okay. That's that's awesome. Wow. I am. You're digging a deeper
1: hole. It'll be harder to get
0: out of. I am. And there's so much more to to delve into in this. Look, Lynette. Thank you so much for coming and speaking to us today. It's um, I feel as though I'm only at the tip of the iceberg and there is so much underneath that, that we just couldn't cover off in an in hour's worth of podcasting. Um but like like I've said, if people wants to know, want to know more about you and everything you do and and stuff like that, you've got you've got the two websites. So that one of them is the LynetteLouise dot com, and then the other one is the um, BrainBody dot net, isn't it? Mhm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Facebook, no, and cool. you can
1: watch Fix It in Five, and you can watch yeah. all my all my YouTube channel, and you can I mean all that stuff, all this stuff.
0: Yeah. No, that sounds awesome. That sounds awesome. Combine so, look, I have one. Oh, exactly, exactly. I forgot to even mention that. Um, look, I have one final question to ask you, um, and I ask it to everyone. Uh, what would and I think? I think you've already found it. But what would your superpower be if you could have one?
1: I already have a superpower. I
0: mean, okay, go for it like... then.
1: This is my superpower. It's the most yeah. amazing thing to be able to help people become what they want to become, to do it for yourself. But even beyond that, what I told you at the beginning about my childhood, I decided how my life would go, and that's how it went. And that happens to me on a daily basis, where I make yeah. a decision and the the tools for that to come true shows up. So I don't know what you call it. You can call it manifesting. You can call it God. You can call it um, really good pattern recognition. Uh, so I notice it. I don't know what you call it, but I definitely already have a superpower.
0: Yeah. No, look, I and I agree with you. Uh, you know, what you do is fantastic. What you, what you're doing, what you're doing is fantastic. What you do, what you've done, what you're doing is fantastic. Um, look, thank you, thank you once again for coming on board and um, speaking to us here. Um, and yeah. I hope you um, continue doing what you're doing for a long time. Oh, no,
1: no, 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 no. It's time for me to raise <laughs> these great grandkids and put those online courses out there in the website, All Brains Grow, which should be available soon, because I really want this last chapter to be a little bit more in the playground.
0: Oh, wow. But that's still you continuing to develop these kids, that you, these grandchildren you've got. That's all good. Continue yeah, doing I mean- what you're doing. I think it's I awesome. That maybe just not work as hard as you have done in the past.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you for sharing your audience with me. I hope I helped somebody out there.
0: Yeah, I I think you have, Lynette. I think you have. Look, thank you. And um, we'll speak again, no doubt. Okay, Claire. Bye, honey. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast and you would like to hear more, please hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. If you would like to support us further, share this episode with your friends and family. And finally, drop us a review on iTunes, as I'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, and ideas. It all helps me to understand and produce awesome content you want to hear just like this. If you want to check out our past episodes, write to us, appear on the podcast, or for links, resources, and show notes. Go to our website www.strongsingleandhuman.com We are also on all the usual social media platforms Insta, Facey and Twitter I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope to see you back here again soon Be kind to yourself and remember no one is perfect We're all just putting one foot in front of the other and doing our best I'm Claire Martin, and you've been listening to the Strong, Single and Human podcast.